I'm excited. Sarah, the way you look at him is so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cute. I like him. I think he's great. <laughs> I know. I was I was talking to my boyfriend about this, and he's like, I'm for sure going to like listen to this one because he's listened a couple times with me, and I'm like, this one, you got, of course, you have to listen because I'm going to be on it. But it's going to be so interesting to have like your perspective, Andrew, because like, it's not always so fun. Andrew's here? What the fuck's going on here? <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome to the Bold Beautiful Borderline podcast. It is Sarah and Lori, and we have not one but two special guests uh, for tonight's part three of the Dating with BPD Chronicles. Um, We have Claire with us, who was always the plan for our first special guest. Hi, Claire. Um, But we have a second special guest that is... um, uh, if you've listened all the way through, you saw me graduate from a situationship into a relationship thingy, my bobber, into having a boyfriend. And my boyfriend is here with us. Hello. Woo! <laughs> uh, and this is a surprise to me. I came on and was like, oh my God, hello. <laughs> so this is very exciting. Yeah, it was a surprise to me as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited because when I originally asked Sarah during super feelers which if you're not going to super feelers um all of you listening should because that's how I get to do this and it still doesn't feel real but so thank you guys but yeah he's here and I was like DMing Sarah I was like so is he gonna be there and I'm just like so giggly about it I'm so excited you guys if you could see the way they look at each other it's the cutest damn thing so I'm super excited to be here Well, we're really excited to have you both here. Um, So, okay, guys. So this is a different episode because generally it's Lori and I, right? But today Claire is actually leading the show. Claire and Lori really are leading the show. And Andrew and I are going to take a um, back. I'm going to take a back seat from hosting and just make myself a guest here. Um, And I'm personally thinking this is part three and final of the Dating Chronicles because it gives me a lot of anxiety, but like also because he's here and I think that kind of wraps up nicely the dating chronicles. What do you think, Lori? It's cute. I like it a lot. Although I also know that we like to talk. So there may be like part 3.5 if we talk for too long, but anyways, whatever, we'll figure that out. (laughs) Okay. So Claire and Lori take us away. So I think my first question obviously would be where we left off. And just like an update from that, because how are you doing? And have you had any bumps so far? Because it's all before, like, it's just like super chill. And you guys sound so like just meshed well together. So I just want to know, like, has anything come up? Is it going good? Uh, It's going pretty well. I mean, you know, it's uh, still kind of a new relationship. So there's a lot of natural snags with that. but. it's kind of the same as any other relationship in terms of like, it's just learning another person and learning how you mix with another person. But I think, you know, we're navigating it and uh, on the whole, I think it's gone really well. Did you know about borderline personality disorder before this relationship situation thing? <laughs> um, I had, I had some prior knowledge. Um, (laughs) 
I took some psychology classes, but we didn't talk about it much in those. Um, but I have like a coworker who's really interested in psychology and she would talk about it a bit. And I had, um, just, a uh, a little bit of context from that, but, um, positive context or negative context? Yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure the psychology <laughs> classes didn't do that any justice. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, in the classes specifically, we didn't talk about it much. Um, but my coworker, we'll say is not a, not a fan. Uh, um, but also I kind of take her opinion with a grain of salt, to be frank. So, uh, yeah, I mean, not, maybe not the most positive light, but that's true of, I find most mental health, um, situations, right. Where like people only ever really talk about the negative stuff. And so for me, you know, having clinical language is one thing, um, but having the experience of it is always something else entirely. So I try to keep an open mind. <laughs> and we're thankful for that. Yes, yeah. Thank you. Because it's so hard. I know for me, like I um, got my di- diagnosis uh, in October of last year and my boyfriend and I had already been together going on five years and he knew nothing about that. He's pretty like sheltered, like his family in that way. So like, I know for him, that's like almost a good thing to like not know anything, but it can be really daunting, especially like the diagnosis like this, because it can sound scary, especially like when you go online and see what it says. And it's like all these accounts, like saying, Oh, I'm a survivor of a borderline abuse, whatever that even means, you know? So I mean, on that note, what did you think when Sarah told you? And like, I don't remember Sarah, how like far along you guys were like talking or dating. Did you tell him? I think it was around the time we decided to make it like official. Official. Because you didn't, you didn't wait very long because I think you wanted to kind of be upfront about that. But um, I don't know. It wasn't exactly our first date either. (laughs) It was definitely not our first date. It was after I was back from California. So like, I had, we'd been talking for a month, six weeks. Um, I think probably like right around two months or so of like knowing each other. But um, yeah. Yeah. And not to make you uncomfortable, Sarah, but I mean, Andrew, did you notice like maybe any symptoms before she told you or? I want to say red flags, but that's a bad word. You know what I, I mean? also think, let's just say too, like, just like Lori said with Aaron in their episode, like there's nothing that you can say that's going to make me like mad at you or want to break up with you. I want to break up with you just because I want to break up with you because right. I have BPD, but like this episode, <laughs> right, um, I'm the worst. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you are the worst, but, yeah. um, but you like, I want you to feel empowered to answer honestly. Right. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, I don't think I noticed anything particularly um, uh, telling, maybe is the best word I can use for that. Um, Yeah, I I think also just having that up front and and feeling like I could um, ask questions about it if I needed to and all that was also helpful. So like if I if I did come across anything, which again, I I don't really remember doing, um, I feel like I had enough context to at least understand it. 
Yeah. I also think it's like the time in which we started dating is complicated because I'm still in the middle of the pandemic. I had literally gotten divorced. My divorce was final four days after Andrew and I first started talking. So like I was still very much in the middle of divorce hell. Um, And. And you were you were living in a van. So like you started, you saw each other once and then you left for um, two weeks and then you broke your nose. And then, so like, there was a lot of things that were like dysregulating. Sure. I was still passing back and forth too. So like, I think it would have, if I were him, it would have been easy if he had seen moments of strong emotional reaction to just blame it on circumstances. Right. And not. Well, and like not blame it on like, those were shitty ass circumstances, right? Like, like I, you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things where it's like, not everything comes down to the fact that we have BPD. Like you, you broke your nose, man. Like in the States where you have to pay for that shit. You know what I mean? Like Dude, that's a stressful situation. To I be also in. broke my nose. My nose breaking was Andrew's fault. Can we just, I know like, it was rude. Thank yeah, you. I know. What? Wait, but I need a story to, time. It's on Patreon. You have, isn't it? <gasps> no, we haven't recorded I was going to say, Patreon I'm a Patreon. I'm a Patreon and I haven't heard this story. Oh my God. I cannot believe that we have not put that up yet. Okay. never mind. Do you want to just tell it now? Yeah. Okay. So this is the deal. So I broke my nose in on a pole. Okay. But about 12 to 16 hours before the pole, I was walking down this main street because my van was broken down with my dog. I'm walking down a main street in California because we're stuck in a Planet Fitness parking lot for three days. So the only option I have to exercise my year and a half old dog is to walk her up and down the street. I'm FaceTiming Andrew or talking to him or trying to text him something. And I didn't realize I almost walked like right into a pole very aggressively, but I just kind of bumped the pole and went around it the night before. So this is, so there's a two pole scenario, right? Okay. So that's the night before. And then this is what is so weird. Like, I don't believe in God, but if there's a God, that motherfucker is laughing because the next day I was trying to get a cute selfie of Nova and I, and to send it to Andrew and be like, look, I didn't hit a pole today. So I'm trying to get the dog to sit down for a cute selfie. She gets herself off of her leash on like a six lane California highway. I'm frantic. Like I know, like, and I have post-traumatic stress about this. Like I know my dog's going to die and get hit on the highway. So I fucking frantically turn my face around to try to get her into a motherfucking pole and break my glasses, break my nose and get a $7,000 hospital bill all so that I could send a selfie to Andrew and say, look, I didn't hit a pole today. And the selfie I got was wonderful. It was just Sarah with blood (laughs) pouring down her face and all over her head. (laughs) <laughs> I also got that selfie. I still have it vividly in my <laughs> She's like, uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to post an episode tonight. And just like sends me the picture. I was like, what the actual fuck? And then the story was, you could not make it up. You could not well, make it up. And here's the thing that like, you can't laugh. Like you can't not laugh at that. You have to oh, laugh no. at that. And like, Lori, like I didn't. So I wasn't able to get my nose reset because I had a broken down van in a different state and my health insurance had ran out like four days prior. So like, not only did I get a $7,000 hospital bill, but I didn't get my nose reset and I snore like a motherfucker now. And I didn't 
realize until Andrew told me. You have to know everybody that Andrew just looked and like nodded very, very, very aggressively. <laughs> and and that's the peak of the relationship series that Andrew now can tell Sarah that she snores loudly. That really was a thing because she asked me once and then immediately like split second was like, actually don't tell me. <laughs> so I did not tell her until she said it was okay for the record, but. <laughs> okay, but like, okay. But wait, on a scale of one to 10, one being not at all and 10 being the worst snoring you've ever heard in your life. What is it? One. <laughs> your answer, honestly. Um, I mean, I've definitely heard worse, I guess like a, it kind of depends on the night, but for the most part, I don't know. Am I under five or above five? I was going to say five. Of course you were. Cause you're that you're that dude. You're an Aaron. You're like, you're just going to try and not poke the bear. No, um, genuinely. It's, it's can not, we, it's can we not talk about that though? Well, like how we as people with BBD need someone that is just so like, I'm doing a signal with my hand to say like middle. I don't want to say middle of the road, but like, we're so like, High strung. The calm to the storm is how people just right. describe me and Aaron. Yeah. I'm yeah. my boyfriend and I are like that too. Like he is the polar opposite of me. Like I'm over here, you know, crying because I spilled my water on the ground when we were on a walk. And he's looking at me like there's more water. Like I don't know. It feels like I'm drowning in my emotions. And he just like easily is just like, let's move on. And so I can sense that in Andrew, even though we've been talking for like, what, like 20 minutes now, but like, maybe you could talk about that more. Like what, what, um, what it's like, like how different are you guys in that sense? Um, I mean, I guess it kind of depends on the issue for the most part. I think I do tend to be the more, uh, subdued uh, presence, I guess. Um, I get some of that from my dad. He's just a quiet person, but, um, I don't know. There are times when, I mean, I deal with my own depression and anxiety and such, and sometimes that gets a bit overwhelming. So I, I think we kind of take turns, even if I tend to be the more, uh, relaxed person. Is that fair? What'd you say? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, and, yeah, Andrew definitely has um, like a lot of anxiety and it can be helpful for me to recognize that he has his own things and his own anxieties because it makes me remember that I'm not the only person in this relationship going through something. Um, and actually it was really telling to me because I, I have legitimately tried to break up with Andrew like three times and I'm not going to lie, like Lori is looking down here like a like just smug motherfucker. Cause I texted her yesterday and I was like, you know, I just, I don't think he's the one, I don't think he's the one. And like, I think his boundaries are too harsh for me and I don't like, um, so anyway, so, but there was, <laughs> so it, it would have been 30 times, Andrew, you're very welcome. And you owe me a coffee. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Done. I Perfect. think there's, I yeah. think there's probably been like a solid, like real four times um, yeah 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 I'm, I'm mostly joking like there's been a few where I was like oh fuck Sarah's about to make a really big mistake and yeah. then she gets and then yeah 
And then she but, hangs up on me while I'm in the rain at a park. And then um, we've already talked about that. Moving no, on. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but um, it was really, really telling to me. I was in Utah and I like, this is when I missed a super feelers meeting. Um, I, I really like, I really was breaking up with him and he had this moment where he was like, when you do that, it makes me really sad. And I was like, and he said something similar to me the other day when he said, when you say this, it makes me feel like you're taking my agency away from me. Um, and he, so he has this really strong, like emotional intelligence that makes me step out of my own feelings and recognize that he's having his own feelings and emotional reactions to things. And that's really like grounding and helpful for me because I don't think there's ever been anyone in my life that has been able to so clearly articulate in a non-judgmental way that my behavior impacts them negatively. Um, I mean, people have been like, you're a crazy bitch and you make me fucking want to kill you. But he's very clearly like, when you do this, my feelings get hurt. And it's like, well, even if my subjective units of distress are at 70, when I hear someone that I love say they're hurt by my feelings or by my behavior, their feelings are hurt. It instantly kind of pulls me out and gets me back into it. And so that has been really helpful. That, but then, oh, sorry, go ahead, Andrew. I was just going to say that that didn't come for free. That <laughs> that was a, a lot of learning on my part to be able to to get to a point where I can even identify my own feelings. Like, I, I don't think I was socialized that way at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I just I just want to say that, like, if anyone hears that and feels like they're not doing that and that's something they should be able to do, I I disagree. Join the club. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's a lot of work. And I'm not even always able to do it. I think, you know, saying it like that makes me sound very skillful and I'm not always. So, but the fact that you try is like the most important part, right? Like you could be the kind of dude, like most men, I'm going to generalize most men. And honestly, most any gender really are not brought up to be emotionally intelligent. So like, you know, you try and that's like 90% of it. And you do a good job from what I hear. Um, Even though sometimes like with any of us, it can be kind of an uphill battle of like, even if you're doing all the right things and saying all the right things, like we start to perceive them in a way that's not what you're getting at. I think not just you, I'm saying in general, like Aaron's the same way and I'm sure Claire's boyfriend's the same way, but um, yeah. And I completely lost my train of thought, but I had a really good, question uh, okay never mind we'll skip it claire probably has I mean, a good I w- question <laughs> i mean i was just gonna like respond to that andrew because like for me so my boyfriend and i we are just getting out of college we are high school sweethearts and like growing up like my symptoms were so prevalent you know i should have been diagnosed before 18 but you know stupid psychology community is like no personality disorder is like I literally had a doctor look at me and go, I like you too much to give you that diagnosis. So like, I didn't get, (laughs) they're vigorously shaking their head. Yeah. Like craziness. Right. So I had so many symptoms like displayed that I had my boyfriend over here stay with me this whole time. And I was like, how do you deal with my crazy? Like literally I am a nut job, like 25% of the time. (laughs) Like there is a lot of times 
my emotions don't even make sense to me. And now that I'm like older and I'm in DBT and working on skills, like I'm more insightful into that time, but I'm still like struggling with that. So I guess, I mean, this was something I had for Sarah that might be hard to talk about, but I don't want to push you. But for me, like I struggle with favorite person. Now, I don't know if we've talked, if you guys have talked about that on podcasts a lot. So like, you want me to explain what that is? Yeah. Okay. So we actually haven't really talked about it. So so some favorite person, something like I really struggle with. I've gotten a lot better. Um, But like favorite person or anyone who doesn't know in the BPD community tends to be like, we cling to a certain person. And, like, it doesn't even have to be, like, love them. It doesn't even have to be somebody you're in a relationship with. Like, right now, my boyfriend for a very long time was my favorite person. He is still, like, a very amazing person in my life. But currently, he is not my favorite person. Like, my favorite person is my best friend. And it they dictate all your emotions. And, like, for me, it's just, like, I get upset if they're even upset about something that doesn't even affect me. So, I mean, I don't know, Sarah have you dealt with that with like any of your relationships or even Andrew like right now or you know like boundaries and stuff like that like it's super super hard at least for me when I have a favorite person like I just want to know what they're doing all the time I want to be a part of everything they're doing and like I know that's not healthy but it's so hard to not be like all or nothing because yeah so just curious yeah um this isn't even really something that Andrew and I have talked about. So I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard me mention this person. Um, but I did have, I had a favorite person from, um, seventh grade until I was 23. Um, and Ashley and I were like best friends, inseparable. Um, uh, there's a lot of history, but my symptoms were running rampant through all of those years. And she had her first boyfriend. Um, and uh, when we were 23 and that really led to the disassembling of our friendship and I 150% take ownership of that. Um, I haven't talked to her in years. I don't, you know, I don't know what she's up to and what she's doing, but, um, that was a really traumatic loss for me. And, Uh, like it was the only childhood friendship that I had retained. Um, uh, and I, to be honest, like I really haven't had a favorite person since, except for maybe my ex-wife. Um, but I would say 100% without a doubt that this is an issue that I struggle with, with my dog. And I don't know if you were going to say that. Um, I wasn't going to say anything, but now that you say it, it's like, yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. Nova is my FP for sure. And it's really dysregulating to me when, um, she doesn't want to like love me the way that I want her to love me. Or when she is like tired and doesn't want to play with me the way that I want her to play with me. And sometimes she just makes me so fucking angry. I can't even explain it. Like specifically or in the van when we're loading and unloading, that process is really hard for me. So, um, I know people listening that are neurotypical might be like, what the actual fuck is this crazy bitch talking about? Cause I know that sounds really, really weird, but Nova is totally my, no, my dog is too. That's like, when you were talking, that's crazy. Like before we um, started talking earlier, you guys were talking about the, our dogs and like, that is so 
true. And now that you're talking about it, I'm like, God damn it. Like, it's a dog. Like, and that sounds so stupid. But, like, when my dog doesn't, like, when my dog goes to my grandma instead of me, I, I remember <laughs> it was, like, two weeks ago. Um, and I had a horrible day at work. I get home and he goes over to my grandma and doesn't want to come say hi to me. So I just immediately start like, I was like, well, fine. I won't feed you. And then I, <laughs> I go downstairs and I start crying because it's like, it's so silly. And like, you know, having a favorite person is like the worst thing ever. And, and it's a, ironically, actually same thing with me, Sarah. I lost the best friend to having a favorite person because like, I felt like I just became too much and then I just overbeared and like in relationships I know like that's like been my biggest fear with my boyfriend now I mean we are together for a very long time but I am always still like second guessing myself sometimes be like am I oversharing am I saying I'm struggling too much all the time and then I'm being a burden and like and then I end up making myself like circle down into this despair where I'm asking all the time. I don't know if you guys do this, but oh my God, I'm always asking him, are you mad at me? What's wrong? Um, do you love can, me? Can you, you make me? Yeah, can you love me? Yeah. Like, I bet, does Sarah do that to you, Andrew? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would like to say though, that <laughs> compared to past relationships, it's like a fifth. Could you imagine me doing it five times more than I do? It would, it would, I feel bad for people that have dated me in the past because truly like I'm like in the healthiest, best place of my life with this, but. Well, I'm like, it's, it's something we've had, Aaron and I've had to work on, like in counseling, I we have a boundary set up where if I say like, do you love me? He'll be like, you already know the answer to that instead of answer the question because, because, and Sarah and I talked about this. I know because I would like, my counselor was like, you have like OCD type tendencies and that every time you ask, do you love me? And he says, yes, then that regulates your anxiety, which then makes you want to ask it again, which goes in the circle. I don't know a ton about OCD, but the, the way she was describing it was brilliant. And so he, him not saying, not answering, it was the way to break that cycle. Sure. So, so sometimes he'll answer obviously, cause he's not a dick, but right. like, he's not going to answer it if I ask him five times in one evening. Cause he's like, dude, I'm marrying you. Like, Yeah. I love you. I don't know. Well, maybe it's a little bit different because Andrew and I are very new to this. Maybe there's an expiration date for when I have uh-huh. to stop. I don't know. I mean, I. Do you I, feel like you need some boundaries around that? No. I mean, I think, you know, you obviously just said that it's better than it has been in the past. And like, I could see that. I think that, you know, seems fair. And I, I, you do ask me frequently. I was being a little bit flippant when I said all the time, but, um, you know, I don't think it's been too much. Like, I think it's just, it's a little more than past relationships for me, but that's not like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty understandable. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, it hasn't been a, a big issue for me. I will say the thing with Andrew that is really helpful in the long run, but sometimes hard in the moment is that he has very firm and pretty strong boundaries. So like, he's not going to be the type of guy that if I didn't text him, he wouldn't text me. Like he's like, he's reading a book. I mean, eventually you would, but like, 
he's reading a book, he's researching. So I don't know what you do with your life, but you do things with your life that don't involve texting me all the time. So like you read God, people are, Oh my God. He reads so many books a week and like he writes and he, he has a very, he he has a lot of hobbies. He has a lot of interests. He has like his, uh, of course he's his own person. So, but at first that was really hard for me because I was like, wow, we've been dating for three or four months and I've never gotten a good morning text from you because if I didn't text you, you wouldn't text me until a couple of days from now. And well, okay. That's not necessarily true, but it's a little true. It's a little true. Yeah. I definitely am not. I don't think it's bad. Part of it too, is that I, I was on call for like five, six years. So I, I just hate my phone. I mean, <laughs> cause when you're on call, you're tied to it. If you're not next to your phone and someone calls you, you don't work. So like, I, I just had that sort of tortured relationship with my phone. So these days I'm not as attached to it and I don't like check my messages. I don't necessarily message people. I have sent you a couple. You have, but I say this, (laughs) I say this to say that Andrew would be a terrible FP. So I couldn't possibly make him an FP because he wouldn't, he wouldn't be one. Right. I mean, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that like, if you have a favorite person, they're also serving that relationship in some way, they're validating something they're participating in some way. A lot of the time. Okay. Cause I don't, I I don't know. So I don't feel like I really have FPs, although I do have, I I was going to say, I feel like sometimes obsessive tendencies. (laughs) No, I was going to say, sometimes I feel like Sarah is one and then it becomes, and then her we break that and- cycle sometimes her, her dating Andrew was like, ah, so I totally feel it, but I love you, Andrew. Really? Well, no, wait. it's just like, we. wait, oh. wait, whoa, this is something right now. I no. wasn't expecting this. No. Well, and, 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 and here we You're, go. I'm literally I'm so try. excited that I'm someone's <laughs> FP. I'm I so excited. Like I, like Lori said, I've been somebody's FP, which Sarah, welcome to the club. Um, <laughs> it's, it sucks. And I, I'm just going to be honest, because I've had enough pee, it sucks. I have to be on the other end and be somebody's favorite person. My God, like to have their like emotional vulnerability on my shoulders. Eventually, I like had to just like quit that relationship. I couldn't do it anymore. So I'm glad to hear it's like, not like that for you and I know like a lot of people in the community we talked about this in super feelers last time um struggle with this like it's one of the biggest symptoms I struggle with Andrew I think for you I think just being a favorite person if that goes that way I think it's good that you have the boundaries because it's really hard but like that's like the best thing for us because being a favorite person and and most of us that have one know that we're putting the strain on them and then it adds to it and then like we get more emotional and it just like keeps the cycle going so what are some of the boundaries that you do have if you do, don't mind sharing i don't know that i really have language for my boundaries right now um i i don't always know what they are until we kind of come up against them and then i'm like nope i don't want to talk about that Um, (laughs) I think sometimes it's just, 
things where I feel like my life and my story kind of crosses over a little too much with someone else's and I don't want to tell their story. Um, I think that's a big one for me, but beyond that, I think I, I know them when I feel them, but I don't necessarily know how to describe them. And I can say that, um, like I'm at a place where I really trust him to say, like, if I need space, I'll ask for space. If I, cause we do spend a lot of time together, especially because of the heat lately in Portland. Like I can't safely live in my van with my dog right now. Um, and so I've been at, hanging out as, at his apartment a lot. Um, and in the beginning of our relationship, I was like, every two days, I need to not see you for a couple of days. And we've gone, I think now we've probably gone at least a week every day hanging out or staying the night together or something like that. So I used to really worry about if he felt like I was overstaying my welcome and if he wanted me to leave and what would it mean if he asked me to leave? Would that mean that he doesn't want to be with me anymore? Right? Like it just, this cycle of course, just would go and go and go. And now I'm just like, I've seen this guy put up boundaries with me. Most of the time they go. Okay. So I trust that he, he will use his words when he needs to. And um, the only thing that really pisses me off is like, I hate it when he doesn't want to tell me things about his past. I have a pretty, what feels to me like a significant trauma history. And like, it's hard for people with really significant trauma histories to differentiate their identity from their trauma. And so because my trauma feels like so much a part of my identity, I talk and think about the past a lot. And so that's a way that I bond with people is like, do your, does your past look like mine? How has your past impacted you? And he doesn't want to talk about or share his past the same way that I do. And it feels to me, even though I know it's not true, that if he loved me, then he would share that part of him with me. Um, And so I've been coming up against that a lot. And we've been having to kind of navigate that of like, my head says, if he loved me, he would tell me these things when really that's not true. It's, it's not really about her. It's about me and my healing and, you know, where I am in my life. And I think sometimes that's, it's hard sometimes to understand when something is not about you. I feel that too. You know, I'm speaking more generally, not just talking about you specifically, Sarah. Um, So I get that, but you know, sometimes, sometimes I just need that space. (laughs) I also think like there's this gender difference too of this is my first boyfriend. (laughs) Like, let's just put that out there. Like cis man, male parts, male hormones, like I've never done this as an adult, so I don't know what normal is and I'm figuring it out as I go. And historically, my experience with dating women is that they've wanted to bond more emotionally than it feels like he wants to or is able to. Um, And so I'm just figuring out like how I relate as well. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. I get a lot of texts like, men are so weird. And I'm like, I know. And then she like explains something and I'm like, I know men are just weird. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what to tell you. Like they're so I, different. I, I love them and their parts. Don't get me wrong, but like they're strange people. Well, and, and again, hate to reiterate gender stereotypes. Cause fuck that. But there is like a, I mean, the way that 
our society has raised men to be is to be more stoic, to hold your cards close to your chest. Because if you give it all away, it sucks to be vulnerable because somebody will take you down. And like, that's a hard thing to unlearn, especially if you don't know it. So as women and as people with trauma and BPD, you know, that feels like a personal attack. When someone doesn't want to emotionally connect with you, it feels like they don't trust you. They don't care about you. And, and I know that's in the past has ruined things for me because I freak out and I'm like, well, fuck you and leave me alone. And I don't want to talk to you then if you don't care about me enough. And then it becomes about me. And that's something I struggle with. It's just not make it about me. And it's like, no, this is a two person thing. And and that's why like on the earlier um, parts of the relationship series, when you guys like talk about the other person and how it affects them, it's just like, it's so insightful to hear any now from Andrew's perspective, you know, because I think with BPD, we, we always talk about, we're very empathetic. We, we uh, see the emotions in people before they even do. But at the end of the day, the hardest thing for me has been to realize I can be pretty damn selfish and I don't mean to be. And I realize immediately after I have an episode, but it's like reminding myself that it's a two way street and that it takes time. And no, it's not normal for someone to say, I love you after three days of knowing them, even though I so badly want to say it to them and they, I want them to like validate me, but I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but you guys know what I mean. But just talking about how it's not just me in the relationship and that realizing that was almost soul crushing at first. The way you described it is so apt and like the really hard part I think for me is like because it kind of comes off as the um like manipulation stereotype I find and like I don't agree with the manipulation stereotype like we've talked about this a million times like it's about unmet needs but then like sometimes I have that internal self-stigma and I go like oh my god am I actually like that and at the end of the day like no sometimes you just need to like have things to be about you because you're trying to survive right like it's but the self-stigma is huge. And I think that the external stigma from other people is really big too, right? Because of that manipulation stereotype. That is bullshit. It is bullshit. What what stereotypes did you hear about, Andrew, if any? Or like, did you research BPD at all? That is like one of the hardest things to do when I told my family and all they want to do is like go look up the disorder and then they come back to me and they're like, are you sure? Like, you're not that crazy. And I'm like, it's not what you think it is yeah I mean I I didn't do much my own research um I think part of it for me I might I feel like I might have mentioned this earlier but like the difference between you know more clinical description and more experiential understanding and like for me you know having terminology for understanding something is important Um, but it only goes so far. And so like, if I, you know, I knew that I wanted to know this person and, and 
I was invested in this relationship and that, you know, diagnosis or no, I was here for a while. Um, so to me, it was more just like, is that what I need right now? Or do I need to just learn Sarah and learn, you know, how to be in this relationship and not worry about how other people classify it. So. Mm -hmm. I also think it's really important to note that like, I mean, we laugh about the fact that I've tried to break up with him four or five times or whatever, (laughs) but that's just going to be a part of this reality in this dating scenario of like, it's not going to be the first or the last time that I try to break up with you. But like in five months, I, I don't feel like I've yelled at you. I think maybe I raised my voice like two or three times. I've never um, called him a name. I've never self-harmed in front of him. I've never thrown any of his items. Like I've been, I'm, I'm at a point in my recovery where I'm able to be pretty effective in our relationship when I'm having a strong emotional reaction. Um, So I don't think that it's the kind of scary um, stereotype that people think about. Like, that's not how I view myself in this relationship. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think some of it probably also comes down to like how I react. Like this last fight we had was a a little worse. Do we think that's a fight? It's a fight. Fight is the best way I have to. We had a fight. We've had our first fight. Yeah. We had our first fight. (laughs) Um, But part of it was just like, it had been a, a hard week for both of us and we were exhausted and like, Sarah was dysregulated and I was a little dysregulated myself and um, I had to cope differently. And I think neither of us were really ready for that. And it blew up a little more than it has in the past. But I'd also like to point out on the scale of BPD blowups, this was a negative three. Like and on the zero to 10 BPD blow up scale, we're not even there. <laughs> like this, right. I think That's this amazing. is what it's like when normal people fight, to be honest with you. Closer, yeah. Oh, close. <laughs> the shade of it all. Let's make that the 15-second Instagram clip closer. <laughs> but I also want to say, like, like, fighting is also normal, right? Like, yes. Yes. It, so it's not, it's not like, oh, Sarah's fighting because she has BPD. Like, no, relationships have arguments. Like, exactly. that's real life. I mean, oh my God, I'm season 10 into Grey's Anatomy right now. I'm doing a little bit of a... And like they fight all the freaking time. I'm like, is that normal? I don't think that's normal. But anyways, oh. they, they also sleep with a lot of people and they don't get STDs or pregnant. So I'm not quite sure. Yeah, but that's a lie. <laughs> but not yeah, like, from fight- personal experience, surprisingly. Fighting is normal to a certain right. extent, as long as it's healthy, because otherwise you're not getting things out necessarily. Which is kind of what I was getting at was like that. I think it how I respond definitely influences how the disagreement or misunderstanding goes right yeah and he did trigger the fuck out of me (laughs) a little bit like I was like I said don't talk to me like an officer and then I was like oh trauma Sarah oh shit the fuck out of me too and that triggered the fuck out of him um so yeah like it I think some of the stereotypes that people have also are you know I don't want to like victim blame for people who have experienced real trauma but at the same time, there there are situations in which, you know, 
a response can exacerbate the situation. So like, I don't know. And it's learning what those are. Exactly. Like it takes skills on, on both sides, I think is what I'm trying to say. Well, and and like, I want to acknowledge too, like I knew that I was getting at a place where I was like, I've been by you too much. I've been by dogs too much. I haven't done X, Y, and Z that I need to do to take care of me. And literally 24 hours in my van out in the woods. And I'm like, good Gucci back to normal. Do we still say Gucci? I don't know, but like baseline, you know? You know what we do say though? Uh, I think I know this person who's like really wise, and she says like Sarah, just wait twenty four hours, oh. and you won't <laughs> you won't make terrible decisions, and then I didn't break up with him. Are you almost? Uh oh. <laughs> but you literally, you know full freaking well that I'm gonna edit this and I'm gonna cut out that thirty seconds of you saying, and then I waited twenty four hours, and then I felt better, and I'm just gonna. Have that be like something I send you. To well, no, but again. you know what though, Lori is I like, this is the cool part. I don't even think it was 24 hours, right? It was, I needed a two mile run. I needed a nap. And then I needed to say to him, I needed you to tell me that you don't have doubts. And then when he was able to explain, I can't say that because of this, that's about me, not about you. And I was like, okay, I'm a reasonable person. That makes sense to me. I needed you to say that to me. Right. And it's like navigating all of those pieces because being human is messy. Being a human with a significant trauma history and a personality disorder is pretty messy. And then adding in like the mess of someone else, it's complicated stuff. Totally. But the only way we figure it out is by practicing and having those conversations and being like, hey, you didn't give me what I need. Right. Like one thing that my dad has taught me from like a young age is like, nobody can read your mind. Right. So like you might think that, oh, well, they should have known that I said that the minute you say that it's like, no, no, no. You need to tell them that that's what you felt or that's how what you needed or whatever. Right. So and you did that. Not that I read the screenshots, but you definitely did that. <laughs> oh, my God. How many screenshots do you have of Andrew and I? <laughs> I don't even know. Should I look? Not that you should many. post them on the Patreon. I should. Oh, man. <laughs> um, okay, can I just well, say? Yeah, go for I just it. say I am so like. Andrew's talking like I'm using skills and I'm like mm-hmm. that's amazing do you talk about dbt with him or like skills with him um he's definitely seen me use quite a few skills yeah I use the tip skill a lot so like even the other Girl, day I was me like, too this I, week I literally said to him like can you please go get me an ice cube um so I use tip a lot what else do I use um you just use accepts when you went on your run and stuff mm-hmm I don't know. I don't have the same language for this that you do. I just like. I definitely fact check a lot. I don't know that I engage him in the fact checking process, but sometimes I say it out loud. Um, but we have developed a COPA head plan for the dog park. If the dog um, gets. What's the issue? If the dog gets attacked, yeah. Andrew is the most invalidating person of all time because he'll be like, it's fine they're fine. It's fine. And I'm like, when you tell me it's fine, that does not work for me. Okay. And he's like, but I'm telling myself it's fine. And I'm like, well, that's fine, but stop doing that. Cause it's not fine. Anyways. So in the car we had to be like, so next time someone gets close to Nofa, I need you to not tell me it's fine. Okay. That's what this is called. This is called a Copa head plan, yada, yada. And we haven't had a fight about that since. 
I love that me and Sarah have the same triggers about our dogs because nobody understands that trigger and they think it's so silly. Like, don't mess with my dog. Like the amount of times I got triggered at the dog park because this one lady would not take her dog and then just kept coming up and biting my then five month old puppy. And the scream match I had with this lady, total Karen. I was like, where I think she even like had a Trump hat or something like that. I was like, okay. Um, you need to go home and not let your dog bite my dog. And I would just like, I unleashed on her. So I love that, that you have that. I need to cope ahead and put cope ahead plans with the dog park. That's funny. That sounds like the next super feelers club. Um, the answer is eight, <laughs> eight screenshots in oh, five months. That is not very many. I will have you know that we have way more than eight screenshots between the two of us of all of the lovely messages that our listeners send us. Um, and on the kind of end note here, the final question that I have on a sticky note, cause I didn't want to forget Andrew, have you listened to the podcast yet? Oh my God. Um, it's funny you ask actually. I, so I try to be conscious of like where Sarah's life is and where my life is and try to kind of, you know, encourage individuality a little bit. Um, so I wanted Sarah to have that space, um, especially at first. Um, but on the way here, we did listen to a little bit of it um, just because we were talking about, you know, what this might be like and whether or not I should do it and all of that. Um, so I've listened to a little now, but not not much. Yeah. I, and I don't think he's going to listen to any more like. Aaron has listened to zero episodes, zero cut, like anything. He's like, I don't, I don't want to know anything that you say. So I totally get that. I was just curious more than anything. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that that's a good time to wrap it up um, because Andrew's not going to listen to it anyway. So what's the point? (laughs) Continue. Uh, okay i just hate my own voice it's fine he hates his own voice but he literally has the cutest voice you do have a cute voice oh my god where did you get such a good boyfriend i only okay so we met online and i only responded because he extended the match and he doesn't remember extending the match but i know he extended the match because that's the only reason i responded because you can't not message someone if they extend the match but i had like 600 matches how am i supposed to like keep up so anyways (laughs) just like subtle flex there from sarah i had like 600 matches so like you better no that's how okay well let's just acknowledge (laughs) that's how like drunk and and not doing well i was that i had 600 matches i'm told yeah too relatable it's been a long time since you relatable did you have 600 matches wait not even close but no he's a man (laughs) more matches because i was like drunk and in a bad place like yeah that's relatable Were you drunk when you matched on me? No. That was a BP. Oh my God. We need to go. That was. I I have one more question and it's it's a yes or no question. Sarah, do you think about going back on your medication? I'm on it. I'm on it. I couldn't. There you go. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while I miss it, but there's absolutely no way I could not take 150 milligrams as I'll often be in a relationship. In fact, um, I'm seeing my psychiatrist on Monday. I think that there's an opportunity for some med adjustments um Zoloft Max is out at 200 so um 
I don't, I don't know what we're going to do, but my therapist wants to look at a potential med change because I am just more depressed than normal. So we'll see. But in terms of like emotional reactivity and stuff, I'm pretty close to baseline. That was the one question I really wanted to ask because it carried over and I thought it was so smart and I forgot to ask it the entire time. That's very ADHD of me. Okay. okay. Now we can end Lori. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Claire and Andrew for coming on the podcast. It's super awesome to have you. Um, as Claire said, if you don't come to super feelers, you're missing out on super awesome people like Claire and everybody else that goes, um, yeah, thank you babe for joining us. This was, it was a treat and a half to have you here. So really appreciate your vulnerability. It was my pleasure. Hi friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the bold, beautiful borderline podcast. Lori and I are so grateful that you're here with us on this journey, and we can't wait to dive into more topics in the future with you all about Borderline and even have some more fun and exciting guests to join us on the podcast. If you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you would rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. We would also love to see you interact with us on social media and on our Patreon page, The links to that are included in the show notes, so check us out there. We would be incredibly honored to get to know you all as you get to know us and our recovery stories. We love you, and we'll see you next time.